0: Do you do boys and girls my name is Alfred Hitchcock and I'm delighted to find that you believe in ghosts too after all they believe in you so it is only common courtesy and politeness to return the favor as a matter of fact I tell them human stories all the time and they enjoy them immensely now of course the best way to listen to ghost stories is is with the lights out. There is nothing like a dark room to attract ghosts, and you may like to have some of our mutual friends come and listen with you. Are the lights out? Good. Doors closed? Blind drawn? Excellent. Don't worry about the ghosts getting in. They can slither through keyholes and under doors, you know now just be quiet hear that slithering ah good now that we're all here we can begin
1: good evening from the black lagoon and welcome to the jack-o'-lantern press podcast where we discuss monsters and halloween my name is michael piccarella and i'm tom piccarella and tonight's episode ghost stories (laughs) So maybe you recognize that audio clip uh, at the beginning of the show. It's from an album that came out in 1962 called Alfred Hitchcock Presents Ghost Stories for Young People. And tonight uh, we're going to be talking about paranormal tales and how they're told. And to make sure we get it right, we're recording this episode in Ghost Story Gulch, which is one of the ghostliest corners of the Black Lagoon. And uh, what's the Black Lagoon, you ask? It's one of Transylvania's 13 wild and deadly districts. And uh, speaking of Transylvania, has everyone checked out our new book? Yeah, they should. It's Transylvania Traveler, a travel guide for monsters, ghosts, vampires, aliens, werewolves, witches, zombies, demons, and mad scientists, too. And uh, it just came out uh, Memorial Day, and I'm holding the book right now. Do you have your book with you, Tom? Yep. I've got well, mine I, right
2: now well, and gonna, I got to so say
1: I'm pretty stoked with this thing.
2: Uh, I'm I'm absolutely stoked with it as well and and one thing that I do want to want to talk about as far as this episode goes is that is that you know today we are in the Black Lagoon. Most everybody is going to associate that with obviously the creature from the Black Lagoon movie. Um but the one thing we we definitely i mean we love the 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 creature from the black lagoon but we also want to emphasize that that it isn't just about a creature from the black lagoon in this district there's so many other things in Well here. the black
1: lagoon is in Bayou country and right in, in bayous you have those big huge mansions and plantations which are typically haunted and so in the Black Lagoon in Transylvania, which you could learn about in our book, if you go to jack o and check out the book, in the Black Lagoon, there is a section called Haunted Mansion Row, and that's where ghosts from every dimension go to retire. So uh, that's where we are right now. There's a section in um, the Black Lagoon right near Haunted Mansion Row. It's called Ghost Story Gulch and uh if you get our book and you go to transylvania and you make it to the black lagoon you can visit this ghoulish gully and participate and bring to life the ghost stories that people are telling in the human world
2: well and, and the other thing too with with ghost stories is right now everybody's you know it's summertime everyone's camping they're sitting around a fire they're they're kind of hanging out and when it gets dark you know, everybody everybody loves sitting there, ready to listen to a ghost story.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's sure definitely. I I love that, and in fact, I wanted to play a clip from um, John Carpenter's movie, The Fog. It's a ghost movie, came out in nineteen eighty, and it's the opening of the film, and and it's a ghost story.
3: Eleven fifty five, almost midnight. Enough time for one more story. One more story before 12. Just to keep us warm. In five minutes, it'll be the 21st of April. 100 years ago on the 21st of April, out in the waters around Spivey Point, a small clipper ship drew toward land. Suddenly, out of the night, the fog rolled in. For a moment, they could see nothing, not a foot ahead of them. And then they saw a light. My God, it was a fire burning on the shore, strong enough to penetrate the swirling mist. They steered a course toward the light. It was a campfire Like this one The ship crashed Against the rocks The hull sheared in two The mast snapped like a twig And the wreckage sank With all the men Aboard At the bottom of the sea Lay the Elizabeth Dane With her crew Their lungs filled with salt water Their eyes open staring into the darkness, and above, as suddenly as it had come, the fog lifted, receded back across the ocean, and never came again. But it is told by the fishermen and their fathers and grandfathers that when the fog returns to Antonio Bay, the men at the bottom of the sea out in the water by Spivey Point, will rise up and search for the campfire that led them to their dark and icy death. Twelve o'clock, the 21st of April.
1: So yeah, that was uh, that clip, that's that's one of my, I, I love that ghost story. Um, and I love uh, being able to sit around and and tell stories, you know, if it's nighttime and you're in the middle of nowhere and there's not a lot of people and you're around a campfire and maybe you're in a location where the ghosts have been seen. Um, you know, like how we talked about in our last episode, or not the last one, I think it was two episodes ago, the Slasher Summer one, we talked about, when we'd go camping and dad would tell the story about the Larry monster. Oh, um, yeah. I love that kind of stuff. And, and our stepdad, Jack, he was also a great storyteller and he used to tell, um, all kinds of stories. I don't know if you remember this, Tom, we were kind of young. Um, this was in the late eighties, but, um, Jack, um, uh, uh, obviously as you know, Tom, but he worked in radio and we used to go to a lot of places where he would sell advertising and, and sometimes we would get trade or something. So if, at a restaurant, sometimes we may get a deal because he sold advertising. So we, anyway, there was this place called the Glen Tavern Inn, which was a hotel oh, yeah. in Santa Paula. This is in Southern California, kind of near the beach. And um, this inn had a restaurant downstairs, but it was a hotel. And there was a haunted room. And I don't know if you remember this, but we got a private tour to go upstairs to uh, this room that's supposed to be haunted, this room 307. And uh, when we left, I remember Jack telling us a story. It was nighttime. We we were leaving and we were inside the car and he was telling the story about how the person at his radio station that sold the advertising went there. You know, talked with the people. Went, actually, got the private tour up to the room as well. And when she got in her car to leave, there was there was this sound in the back of her car, and she kept looking over her shoulder, like what, what was that sound? Thinking maybe it was a car behind her or something. But then the sound sounded like it was inside the car. And I remember, I think I was probably like in fifth or sixth grade, and I remember sitting in that car. And I kept looking to the back. It was like a sport utility vehicle that we were riding. And it was that Chevy Blazer. And I remember thinking, is there something in the back of that truck? And like the, his story just came to life because we had just gone into that inn. And, um, you know, we experienced the, the thick air and uh, there was a temperature change, you know, from the hallway to that room, you know, all the things that you hear about down in the, in the restaurant, there were actually pictures of, of what they saw in, in that room, which was like a green mist, whether it was real or not, or some sort of photographic, um, trick,
2: I don't know, but, but it was there, but do you remember that? I did. I, I actually, I do remember standing in that that main entrance we walked in and it was huge and it had that chandelier. Do you remember that big chandelier that was hanging from the ceiling? I don't I know if don't you remember that. I remember that, that actually. But it, no. it was, it was this huge chandelier hanging from the ceiling. It had red carpet and we went, we went down. I don't remember if we walked upstairs or took an elevator. I, I can't even remember, but I do remember being by that room and you and I were hesitating on walking into that room and then when we finally went in you remember it was like really warm and stuff just felt weird and they were they were talking about how that was like the the, the ghosts or whatever inside the room yeah and it's also I think it's also interesting of- oh go ahead uh, i was just gonna say it was also interesting because when i was looking stuff up on the Glen tavern in, um they were They have like little ghost things, but this has been featured in 2007 in July. Uh, The Ventura Paranormal Society held its annual convention there. Uh, And then it was also,
1: oh, go ahead. Sorry.
2: I was going to say in 2013, the Inn was featured on an episode of Ghost Adventures with, uh, with special guests of Britt Morgan and Mimi Page. And then in 2014, the inn was also featured on an episode of the Dead Files. So it's kind of neat because they've they've brought different things about this Glen Tavern Inn into other you know paranormal type type yeah, shows and th- ghost stories. I
1: saw something on on YouTube. Um, I forget what it was called. I think it was. Um, what was the name of it? Uh, the, I forget what it was called, but it was something on YouTube where they actually did they did a seance, and uh, you know, they were talking about how they they uh, were experiencing basically a ghost in the oh, it was called the the American Paranormal Research Association. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess they went in sometime in 2013 and conducted a bunch of experiments. But they did, like, an, a seance in there. You could find it on YouTube if you type that in, American Paranormal Research Association. Or just type in Glen Tavern and you could find some cool stuff. But it's it, the place has got some interesting history. It was built in 1911. And during Prohibition, the third floor, which I guess was not finished yet, was used as a speakeasy, a brothel, and a gambling parlor. So there's all these stories from that era about um, murdered prostitutes, um, shootouts between gamblers. I guess Houdini even stayed there at one time. But anyway, according to numerous sources, um, including this, this website called HauntedRooms.com, um, several ghosts are known to roam the inn. Um, in, uh, in room 307, which was the one that, that we got to go in, um, there were reportedly uh, – there's two ghosts supposedly that, that are in that room. There's a man and a prostitute. And guests have said that they've, they've seen the man who, who they call Calvin um, in the room and also in the lobby. And then those who have seen Calvin say he's tall and thin, wears a white shirt, has long hair and a goatee. And some have been able to get pictures of him. Um, but I didn't get to see any of these. And then they were saying that in life, he was allegedly shot and killed during a game of cards. And during the renovation of the hotel in the early 2000s, one of the workers discovered a Western-style hat behind one of the walls with what looked like two bullet holes in it and old bloodstains. And then the female ghost that resides there is said to have been a prostitute in life that was murdered, possibly beheaded, and she was left in a closet for, for a maid to discover. So, um, some pretty interesting stories. Um, I know that, uh, you can still get a, uh, you know, get a room there cause it is a, a working hotel. So maybe you can go in there and, uh, know, have that, you know, roll around in your imagination as you
2: as you uh, you could probably go visit the actual room that we went there because I'm pretty sure that they still do the tours and whatnot.
1: Well I I know we we got a private tour, which was what what was really cool about it. It wasn't like we were in a huge group during the day. It was nighttime and one person took us up and I know it was me, you, our sister, mom and stepdad. And so it was a very small group, you know, and, and it was pretty creepy. Um, And I would well, say, you know, it was definitely different than when we went to the Winchester Mystery House, because that's like we went during the day and it was, you know, a huge group of people. It felt more like, a, you know, you were at Disneyland or something.
2: Well, that was what I was going to bring up next was the Winchester Mystery House, because I'm sure you remember that. I don't know if you remember it as much as I do, but um, if anybody's familiar with the Winchester Mystery House, that's in San Jose, California. And this this is a weird house. I mean, I the the, the basically the house was was uh, was left to this woman. Um, I think the, actually the guy, the William Wirt Winchester, the guy who invented the Winchester firearms or the rifles and whatnot. This house is is something that is just weird. This this woman, after her husband died, just kept building onto this house. She built crazy amounts of staircases that went to to just blank walls. Yeah, because she
1: was always, yeah, the story was that she just kept building and building and some rooms she never got to finish so the stairwells go up to what could have been a room but was never finished, which well, was pretty interesting.
2: Here's what's crazy is it is it says um, on Winchester, or on uh, Wikipedia, it says, after her husband's death from tuberculosis in 1881, Sarah Winchester inherited more than $20.5 million, which is equivalent to $532 million in 2018, basically. She also received nearly 50% ownership of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, giving her an income of roughly $1,000 per day equivalent wow. to $26,000 a day if it was in 2018. And that, that's what basically all that money that she had. She was so sad after her husband died um, that she just kept building rooms and rooms and onto this house. It's so huge. You go online and look up the pictures. But what's crazy is that what makes it relevant to our um, topic today is that the it's supposed to be haunted. And they say that it's haunted um, with ghosts of of the people that were shot by the Winchester rifles that her husband uh, created, like and all
1: that, of the oh all the ghosts, all the ghosts came came that, the house.
2: Oh, I, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, all the ghosts that were around that time that were shot with Winchester <laughs> rifles. I mean, that's kind of like a little folklore sort of thing, but it's kind of it's kind of funny and neat at the same time. That if you remember. We went into that to that place, and they had something similar to the Glen Tavern Inn, where they had the room that felt weird, and it was dark, or it wasn't dark; it was uh, it was hot, and you went in there, and it just felt weird. So, I mean, I don't know. You, you look at both of these places, Winchester Mystery House and the Glen Tavern Inn, and I think that that this calls out our Nightmare Three Sixty Five guys. Um, maybe they should. They should look into both of these these places and and see for themselves. Like, do they think it's actually haunted? Do they think that that ghosts actually exist in these places? Um, yeah,
1: that's a good idea. You know, um, if, if for those of you who don't know what Nightmare Three Sixty Five is, if you go to Nightmare Three Sixty Five com, um, they have a, a cool website. Um, they do a, a podcast that basically explores. Different um, stories about creatures like Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster. No, any paranormal
2: activity. basically. Paranormal. And then they step. have their their week weekday or Wednesday weird, um, where they they talk about it. But what's what I like about their episodes too is that they always look into these places, these real places, and then they ask each other, "Do you think it's real or not?" Um, they'll throw out a, maybe a more research than what we're giving you today. Of more of the realistic aspect of it all, and then they they kind of you know uh, decipher everything, and then they make their judgment at the end and tell you why. It's it's kind of neat. So if you're interested in in actually checking out their podcast, Nightmare Three Sixty Five, great podcast, great guys. Um, but I I'm gonna I'm gonna tell them uh, you know when they listen to this uh, what they think of Winchester Mystery House and uh, also and the, the Glen Tavern Inn. Yeah, for yeah. sure.
1: That'd be cool if they did did something on that. But I think what you know what i what I really like about both of these things. I like being in a place and hearing the stories, hearing the ghost stories, because you're standing where the ghost, you know, supposedly, um, you know, will come through. So you're wondering, are they going to show up? Those that to me is what's so exciting about ghost stories. If it has that element to it, it's definitely much more creepy than just hearing a ghost story that could have taken place, you know, at another time, you know, on the other side of the world, if you're actually in the place and ghosts may be there and it's nighttime. I I don't know if you remember this, but I know when we were kids, um, this was when mom and dad got a divorce. And um, I think I was probably in like fourth or fifth grade. So you were in second or third. Loretta was in sixth grade or seventh grade and uh, mom, this was a different time, you know, now this would probably never happen, but we kids were, were at home alone. I think mom was, was out and it was like a Friday or Saturday night and Loretta's boyfriend, Randy was over. And around that time, the night stalker was on the loose in Southern California. And so uh, it was probably nine or 10 o'clock. And, you know, my sister, our sister's boyfriend, um, said he was going home and he's going to ride his bike home. And so he took off, and we were sitting in the house. And all of a sudden, the back sliding door slid open. And I remember with the information I don't remember of Night that Stalker, at all. you
2: don't. Oh, no, no, I and don't. I don't remember that at all.
1: Yeah. So yeah, the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, he was on the loose. He's a serial killer, rapist, and burglar, super active in the '80s. And um, so that was going through my mind, and I remember we all ran upstairs because we're thinking, who the heck's in the backyard, slid the thing open I remember thinking, we gotta get downstairs close that door and lock it, and so you and I both went down here we are these little kids (laughs) we went downstairs and we, we got like kitchen knives and then we ran over to the back sliding door, I think we were looking out the kitchen window and then Um, we, we got the, uh, the knives and, uh, went over, closed the door. And then later on, we found out that it was our sister's boyfriend, but, but, uh, he he was
2: messing with us. He was
1: messing with us. Yeah. I I I can't believe you don't remember that. that.
2: Man, that's but. good. He didn't actually stand there. He would have gotten stabbed by some butter <laughs> knives or whatever the heck we had. No, I think
1: it was more than that. I think we got like butcher knives.
2: <laughs> I would say. But. He would have, would have skewered him. But, but it's interesting, but though, that you, you actually you, you say you say stuff about ghosts and and, you know, that that night stalker. Because, I mean, I don't know where you were going with with the ghost, but maybe I, I wanted to actually just a scary
1: story thing. I think just just when you hear scary stories and you know that they're in the area your imagination really w- runs wild like they they would with with these ghost stories uh, oh, yeah. and i think that's what it was actually it's something that i won't forget you know it it could have just been a a night that faded away in my memory forever but but i remember that distinctly and you know there was something thrilling and exciting about it
2: well, and it's it's interesting too. I mean, and so let me let me just go back a little bit. I mean, everybody knows what a ghost is, but that's also referenced in other in other terms. You know, like it's it could be an apparition, it could be a haunt, it could be a phantom, a poltergeist, a shade, a specter, a spirit, and a wraith. Uh, these are things on Wikipedia that they are just referring to as you know in the folklore. But the interesting part about it is that when you, when you watch some of the, the shows on like Discovery Channel or those TV where they, they go after ghosts and do, you know, the paranormal stuff, even though despite the fact that they never actually get any sort of data, it's still neat. It puts goosebumps on the back of your your neck or you, you kind of sit there and just wonder, wow, you know, I wonder if there really is a ghost there." like when they go to like those haunted jails, you know, and it's pitch yeah. dark they got all this gear and they, well, they turn the thing it all too.
1: on there's one definition that you didn't one type of ghost that you didn't mention and that is the ghost in your imagination because i don't i mean i remember at christmas time knowing for a fact that santa claus was in the house and i would be laying in my bed and and our house was an old house and i remember you could hear the house settle and i i could swear that Santa Claus was upstairs in our hallway right near our bedroom. And I just, I would look out and I would even feel like I see a shadow or something moving. It's like, you know, there's something definitely to be said about your imagination. Yeah, Um, absolutely. You know, when you're armed with these ghost stories, um, your imagination runs wild. And, you know, you'd have to say, I mean, I have to say it is thrilling and exciting to, to, to go through those experiences. Um, but, but yeah, so basically we, we talked a little bit about telling ghost stories in person, which is probably my favorite way to experience ghost stories, but there are other ways, um, you know, in this episode, I wanted to talk about the different ways of, of telling ghost stories. And one of those ways is something that you've kind of been playing around with a little bit, Tom, and that is, um, telling ghost stories through virtual reality.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, so one thing—if anybody knows anything about me—is virtual reality is a huge thing. I, I loved it back in in the '90s um, with that Howard Rengold book. If you remember that, um, called Virtual Reality. I obviously, had like Lawnmower Man and Johnny Mnemonic, and you know those movies. I love VR to the hilt and. Just recently, or maybe not recently, but 2016 thereabouts, um, Palmer Luckey, uh, one of the founders of Oculus, um, he he basically, him and, and a guy named Brandon Erebe, um, they invented a an actual headset that plugs into your computer and uh, does virtual reality experiences. And, and not a lot of people are familiar with it, but... I'm obsessed with VR, and so I have a ton of VR headsets. Um, but w- what makes it good with, with what we're talking about today is they have a ton of kind of horror episodes or games, or I'm not even going to call it a game. It's more of like an experience. Um, and one of the, the experiences that I absolutely love is called Affected the Manor. Um, it's by a developer uh, slash publisher called Fallen Planet Studios. It came out on uh, October 3rd of 2017, so perfect time for the Halloween season. And it's basically a haunted house. And if you know anything about virtual reality, you, you take a headset, you put it on your face, and as you move your head, you actually feel like you're inside the environment. So imagine being in a computer-generated environment that it doesn't look real but it's real enough because you still feel like you're there and and you walk through this huge haunted mansion and as you're as you're walking through they got like all these these weird things stuff fly off the wall they got uh, those Ouija boards that tell you to run and then the the seats like flip over and like throw up onto the onto the top part of the house and you journey through this. And as you're journeying through stuff happens,
1: um, yeah, jump scares. And I know there were some pretty cool jump, jump scares.
2: scares. They had this one where you walk into this room and there's all these books all around and they're floating and they have a couple of different versions. The one that you could get on steam, which is uh, where a lot of people buy games. Um, you could purchase it on there um, you could also purchase it if you if you're familiar with oculus, um, the oculus Rift, they also have or actually, I hope they come out with it on the oculus Quest, but it's on the Rift and on the vibe. those are the two headsets that you could you could get um, and walk through this this virtual reality experience in this in this total horror um, deal. i it, it's it's unbelievable. it's really neat. Uh, there's also, uh, I'm just going to go into the other stuff. Um, there's also Paranormal Activity called The Lost Soul. It's based off of the the movie that came out, the first one at the time. Um, this one was by a developer called VRWERX. Um, it was released August 15th of 2017. You can also purchase this on Steam. Um, but this one's kind of more like a game. Um, where you go through, you have a flashlight and you're kind of journeying your way through and there's all this stuff that happens and you, you kind of have to have to follow this, this sort of linear, um, deal. Uh, maybe it's sort of nonlinear just because there is different things that happen each time you go and play this game. Um, but it, that one's really neat as well. The other one uh, that I think is worth checking out, if you have even a, a Google Cardboard VR setup, which those things are like ten bucks, and you can put it on your phone and like shove your phone in there, it's not as good as the premium ones like the Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive and whatnot, um, but it's still neat. Um, but they have the Conjuring Two uh, by Warner Brothers. It was published in on May twentieth of two thousand sixteen. And that one, you could just simply type The Conjuring 2 VR in YouTube and you'll find the video. Look for the one by Warner Brothers. Uh, that That's an awesome experience as well. That was obviously based off of the movie that came out on, which is funny, it came out on June 10th of 2016, which is your birthday, Mike, for The Conjuring <laughs> 2. The other one that that I can uh, say is kind of neat is called Insidious, uh, Chapter Three, which is the third version of the Insidious movie, which came out uh, on June fifth of two thousand fifteen. That one is on a website called We We Are VR. It's w e a r v r dot com. Um, you could just search Insidious VR. You could also find that one on YouTube as well. That one is worth checking out. Um, but all, all of those VR experiences are unbelievable and they'll scare you. There's tons of jump scares in it. And if you know anything about virtual reality, I'm telling you these, these simple these uh, four things that I just mentioned are absolute things that you need to check out. They're totally scary. Um, and I would, I would definitely check them out.
1: Nice. Yeah. So the other way of, of telling ghost stories too, is, uh, obviously through haunted house walkthroughs and rides. And I think if you're going to talk about, you know, ghost rides, you know, we definitely have to bring up the haunted mansion, which I think is, you know, still one of the best haunted attractions I've ever been in easily my favorite Disneyland ride. Um, But I love the story that it tells, and in Disney Imagineer Tony Baxter kind of talked about that story and its three-act structure. I'm going to read it from a book that I have about the Haunted Mansion. He says, in Act 1, which begins slowly and ominously in the foyer, guests anticipate the appearance of the happy haunts and experience poltergeist activity and unseen spirits. Madame Leota provides the curtain that separates Act 1 and Act 2 – The medium conjures up the spirits and encourages them to materialize, which they promptly do in the swinging wake in the grand hall and the attic. The descent from the attic window into the graveyard takes guests into act three, in which they are completely surrounded by the ghosts who are enjoying the manic intensity of a graveyard jamboree. Finally, one of the three hitchhiking ghosts materializes beside guests in their doom buggy before they exit. Um, it's a cool little story, you know. I mean, I don't know if anyone thinks about it as a story, but it is definitely a, a ghost story. Um, and they've kind of told that story a couple times in a couple different ways. Uh, one of the ways was through a haunted mansion record, which was like a souvenir record. It came out in 1969, actually. Has the voice of Ron Howard as one of the kids, um, you know, one of two kids that that kind of get stuck on a rainy night and they go into the haunted house and they take take that journey that you you take um, through the ride at Disneyland. This is the Disneyland in California, and the other parks have you know haunted mansions of their own. Some of them are similar, um, some of them are very different. Uh, but then in 1970, there was another haunted mansion record it was a read-along and i don't know if you remember this one as a when we were kids um tom but it was a haunted mansion read-along is for kids and uh it's, it's this cool little story it tells the same story but it you know it's for the younger audience and i just wanted to play a little a little clip from from that record
4: this is a disneyland original little long playing record and i am your story reader I am going to begin now to read the story of The Haunted Mansion. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when Tinkerbell rings her little bells like this. Let's begin now. Have you ever been in a haunted mansion? I have, and I'd like to tell you about it. It was an old house, sitting all alone at the end of a dark street. There was a high iron fence around the property with a rusty, squeaky gate. The sidewalk leading to the porch was broken and overgrown with weeds. The wind was blowing the trees and the branches made strange noises as they brushed against the house.
1: So, yeah, I, I don't know if you remember that one, Tom, but it's one that I remember. Oh, I remember
2: it. People. I definitely yeah. remember it.
1: And The pictures are really cool in there. You know, it, it does the little chime to turn the page and you kind of look at the pictures and I know my imagination always ran wild and, I imagined what would be behind the doors and the pictures and all that. Um, fun little, fun little book. But so
2: you, do you, do you remember in in the the haunted mansion the the hat box ghost? Oh yeah, I mean it's so originally the hat box guy um, was standing uh, was standing by or close by where the bride was, and she the story there was that she chopped his head off. Um, And so they wanted to make the effect where the guy's head was on his shoulders and then it would disappear and be in this box. Um, They actually ended up removing the hat box ghost from the attraction because it just didn't look right. Nobody was understanding like, you know, what they were trying to accomplish there. So they took it out.
1: Yeah, they're saying they took it out like within a week's time. The, the yeah. thing didn't even last that long. people don't even really out. I mean, there is there are pictures floating around, but there are very few people that if they went on the ride would have taken the picture. But I guess it was more of a lighting effect and you could still see the head in the box and on the body. So when it transferred from the head to the box, you could still see it just looked like there were two heads, or that's what I had that's what I've read about it.
2: Yeah. And, and, uh, well, they, they reintroduced, um, the Hatbox Ghost, what, what was it in, uh, on May 9th of 2015. Um, and obviously now, you know, in 2015, they can accomplish the effect they have, which it looks great. Yeah. I mean, I, they it's, did a fantastic it's job. Freaking awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> it's definitely, it's probably, my favorite, and probably a lot of people's favorite, um, character in the Haunted Mansion. It's it's pretty awesome.
2: Yeah, and and uh, they also have. It's funny because they they uh, refer to the Hatbox Ghost in other things like the Haunted Mansion comic books, which I didn't even know they had the comic books. I'm going to be looking those up. Um, they also have it in. Uh, they they have the Hatbox Ghost in. In the Disney Kingdoms, at their haunted mansion, I guess they referred to, uh, referred to the hatbox ghost in House of Mouse.
1: Dude, um, the,
2: the hat and the funny thing is, the hatbox ghost is
1: in so in that long playing record, the read along haunted mansion. The hatbox ghost is in that record, even though yeah, it was only there for a week. So for people, so when we were kids. I always wondered, like, what the heck's with the hatbox ghost because he was not in the ride. So it was—I almost wonder if they made that the well, no, the record was made in '70s. So I don't know why they still included it in there because he was not in the ride. Um, so it's pretty interesting, and it was always a popular character, but he was never in the ride. So when it came back, you know, people were really excited about it, and uh, I remember it, there was a lot of buzz you know, before it was happening, whether it was really going to happen or not. Um, and when he did come back, um, you know, it, it was cool. It Definitely. was. And
2: if you if you want to know more about uh, the Hatbox Ghost, you could actually go to a website called thehatboxghost.com. And they have like a whole write up about him, um, all the original content. They they even have the, the Haunted Mansion record. Um, they got tons of pictures of things that where it's been in cartoons. Um, they have the, the original people and how they were putting together the ghosts in the Haunted Mansion. Um, and then in particular, obviously, to the original hatbox ghost uh, from when it opened up there. And they, they got a ton of other stuff. And if you want to see other things about the Haunted Mansion, you could also go to that other website, the Doom Buggy um website
1: uh, oh doombuggies.com yeah that's yeah. a awesome website awesome
2: website there he did awesome.
1: a podcast for a while it was a doom buggies podcast but uh the last I checked he hadn't done any recent episodes the, the guy uh teams up to do um a mice chat what was it called I think it's called mice chat or something like that uh it's another pod it's a Disney podcast where they discuss everything Disney um, so maybe he's just consumed with that. Um, but the the Doom buggies podcast was was really cool. And then, yeah, the website's even cooler. yeah um. but you know as as we were researching ghost stories for this episode, i was I was thinking like, why why are we so attracted to ghost stories to to scary stories? Why is it so intriguing? And I was even asking people, you know that very question. Some people said that, you know, ghost stories, make us feel closer to each other. You know, I think about like when, you know, sucky as this is to say, but you know, like something like nine 11, it felt like we were, we were all together. It made us feel closer because of the tragedy or, you know, if there's something scary, you feel closer to the people around you. Maybe that's an attraction with the ghost stories. If you're telling a scary story and you get scared, you feel closer in that group. Um, but you know, I think I think um, ghost stories are also used to, like, keep kids out of woods where, you know, dangerous things can happen. Or like when we were kids, our dad would tell us the story of the Larry monster to to keep us out of the latrine at night, you know, near the campsite. Um, yeah, there's a there's a little I never there. wanted to go out there. Yeah, I know that we
2: I know that we talked about that before in the last episode or one of the episodes. But yeah, yeah. I never wanted to go out there.
1: And so then there's a clip from, uh, this, from this movie called Dead Silence. It was uh, written by uh, Lee Wannell and directed by James Wan in 2007. And they kind of talk a little bit about this um, scary poem. And I wanted to play that clip because it kind of talks a little bit about that.
3: Do you remember when
5: I was a kid, Mom used to read me a poem? Do you remember what it was? What poem? beware the stare of Mary Shaw. She had no children, only dolls. And if you see her in your dreams,
2: be sure you never, ever scream. You know it. It's just a scary poem parents would tell their kids to keep them in line.
1: But yeah, um, I think um, I think part of that is true. Um, But I also think sometimes ghost stories are just, uh, you know, for thrills. You know, it's just something to make us feel alive to be excited about kind of like what we talked about in the, the slasher summer podcast, where we talked about slasher movies and, and how they, uh, they, they kind of give us a thrill like a roller coaster, but let's move on to the next type of, of ghost stories. And that's ghost stories told in movies, TV or cartoons. And I was wondering, Tom, if you, if you thought about any of your favorites or if you yeah. have favorite.
2: Well, I mean, and it's, it's, it's one of my favorite pieces. I mean, so it's, it's Fantasia from 1940. I Don't get me wrong. I, I like the, the cartoon, but there was one piece of the cartoon called Night on Bald Mountain, which is yeah, towards the, the end of, of Fantasia that I just think it's neat. I was looking it up in in Wikipedia, and there's a little a little piece in there. I was learning about, you know, this the, the guy. I'm actually I'm just gonna read read it. And some of these names are very hard to to pronounce, so I'm probably gonna mess them up. Um, they're Russian because um, that's what this is all based off of. Um, it, it's it talks about uh, this this uh, the Chernobog, which I believe is what they're they're referring to it as. It's actually uh, the Chernobog is the the big demon guy that that is uh, comes out of the mountain. Um, he's based off of uh, a god of night in Slavic myth- mythology, um, and he's like a big piece of that. But what it says in Wikipedia is that the Night on Bald Mountain was directed by Wilfred Jackson. It's a story closely. It's story closely follows the descriptions that uh, Mosa G I can't even pronounce his name had written on his original score of the tone poem. Uh, Chernabog was animated by Vladimir Ty- Tytla. His design inspired from a pencil sketch by Swiss, by a Swiss artist named Albert Herder of a demon sitting atop a mountain unfolding its wings. Uh, despite Herder never producing an anima- animation for Disney, the studio temporarily hired him to produce pencil sketches for the animators to gain inspiration from Chernabog, and parts of the segment were developed further by Danish-born illustrator Kay Nielsen. So Nielsen and this the the title guy um, would we'll say Vladimir. Uh, conducted research on all the characters he had animated and being Ukrainian was familiar with the folklore uh, that that the story detailed and it's funny because they actually brought in Bela Lugosi from uh, obviously everybody knows Bela Lugosi from Dracula in 1931 but they brought him in uh, to provide reference poses for the Chernobyl demon I didn't Um, know that (laughs) yeah
6: And they actually,
2: they ended up not liking what he did. Um, Vladimir, the main guy there, he didn't, he didn't like the results. So they got, uh, they got somebody else to do some poses and it was exactly what they were looking for. And then they ended up, uh, you know, using those poses inside the, the film.
3: I wonder um, if they
1: have any of the sketches that they did with Bella Lugosi. Like, what
2: if they if they know. exist anywhere? I don't know if they do or not. Um, but it would be neat to see to see those sketches. I wonder if we probably look them up online and see. Uh, but they they also the film's program reads that Ava Marie provides an emotional relief to audience uh, audiences tense from the shock of the night on Bald Mountain. So Ava Marie had something to do with Yeah, the of this. Ava
1: Marie. Yeah, right at the end, you know, they did the Ava Marie um, where the, the like the funeral procession is taking place to that song.
2: Yeah. And then it says an early story outline had uh let's see, an early outline had the the segment end with a Madonna present wait what are they saying here? Uh, I'm just gonna leave it alone but something disney rejected something on the on the piece and then made it into more of what he wanted to do but
1: yeah i think i remember reading about that i don't remember what it was but
2: um i think it's pretty cool though i didn't know all the background stuff and when i was reading through some of the stuff on wikipedia i mean wikipedia has some good stuff on there sometimes you know it's a little far-fetched but but the night on bald mountain is just neat I'm sure everybody has seen it. If you haven't seen it, just go watch it.
1: It's yeah, it's really cool, you know, the you know the the demon guy, you know, he summons the dead and all these ghosts come out. Um they use they use it the those ghosts in that the phantasmic show at Disneyland where they project images of different cartoons on the on waves of water that they shoot up out of the Rivers of America. And I remember when that when Phantasmic first came out, we saw that and we thought, dude, that is cool. What if we could do the yeah. same thing? And I think you and I thought we were going to shoot, you know, some water up and project something onto the water, but w- there's no way our garden hose was going to have enough yeah, water or to even do the that
2: sprinkler. You so know, so for- you know what's funny? You know what's funny about the the ghost scene in that in that little animated uh, deal there. Um was I? I was reading on a website that they were talking about how in the haunted mansion. To kind of go back a little bit, uh, in the haunted mansion at Disneyland, in the graveyard scene, they were saying that the ghosts that are flying in that background are closely related and look like the ghosts that were coming out of Bald Mountain. They were saying some huh. people say it is a. A um, uh, kind of one of those Easter eggs that were buried at Disneyland because they do a ton of them. Um, I'm not sure it it very well could be, Um, but I mean, make your own decision on that one. I don't know if it's an Easter. Yeah, have to take a
1: look and see. You know, I'll have to watch it again, and I'll be curious to see if there are any of the same characters. But it it it's they're definitely cool images, and you know what we ended up doing for Halloween is we hung a sheet in in the window of the, the top room of our house, and we took a Super 8 camera, we, we played Fantasia on our big screen TV, we shot the ghosts with the Super 8 camera, and we just kept you know clicking away just on the ghost scene over and over, I shot a whole roll of film, and then we had it developed and we projected it onto this sheet at Halloween time, and then we played the song from Night on Bald Mountain out the window. Yeah, uh, that was the that. scene. Yeah, that we had in our window for Halloween, which I remember it, it was, at that time, you know, it was a pretty big deal. No one was projecting anything yeah. in windows. Um, now, obviously, with atmosphere um, effects, uh, you know, a lot of people are projecting stuff in their windows, which are cool, but no one had really done anything like that.
2: Yeah, I remember people in, they, were in our neighborhoods. Yep. And well, and even also, do you remember when when dad took the, the Super 8 projector or just the projector, really, and he cut out uh, little little ghosts that he drew oh, and yeah. had the light where yeah, he it was going like in, in the background? Motor
1: yeah he had like yeah. a little like kind of spinning wheel and put a light behind it so it looked like ghosts were going in a circle. He had like a little light bump yeah that was i remem- i forgot about that yeah that was neat. I remember him making that thing at the kitchen table,
2: yeah <laughs> and it was neat because that was just like one of the the many haunted houses that we had when we were younger and it just brings back memories of just more ghosts. Uh, you know, ghost things that we did, and obviously we were inspired by that, inspired by the movie, and then made kind of our own little projection type thing. So that's yeah. neat to to remember.
1: Well, I got to tell you, so as far as ghost movies, uh, there are some that I just watched, and I had just I just chose not to see these because I just didn't think they would be good. But I just watched them specifically for this episode, and they've easily become my favorite ghost movies, and that's uh, Insidious from 2010. It was written by that that Lee Wan- Wanell and directed by James Wan, the guys who did the the uh, Dead Silence movie I was talking about, and The Conjuring from 2013, written by Chad Hayes, again directed by James Wan. And these things are like really great ghost stories, great stories on the page. Um, which would ult- ultimately make these two of my favorite ghost movies. But these things have so much more than that. Like the director really took these things to another level. Um, you know, they're, they're direct- There's this one director, um, Joseph H. Lewis. He's he's done a lot of film noir films like uh, Gun Crazy, The Big Combo, um, and he said that. In every film I ever directed, I had the sense I could see something beyond the script and beyond the story. It's as if I'm pulling up something out of a place I really don't know anything about. And similarly, um, director Nicholas Ray, who's, who's also done a bunch of film noirs, like They Live by the Night, um, In a Lonely Place and On Dangerous Ground, he said, if it were all in the script, why make the film? Well, when I was watching these movies, um, Insidious and The Conjuring, I felt that, like, there's no way you can translate (laughs) that, you can, if there's no way you can see those films only on the page, Um, there's something about the lighting, the color palette, the, the way things are staged, the music, the sound design, like, all the crafts of these films, it, it, you have. I know you haven't seen them yet, Tom, but you have to see yeah. these things. They well, they it, just are amazing films and really cool ghost movies. Really so it goes, cool. It
2: goes back to our other conversation when we were talking about the slashers, is that a lot of the newer stuff, you know, I kind of stay away from it just because I'm not interested in like the crazy slasher type. Yeah, the demented killer. You know, the, cra- yeah. But the, this these was actually not look. After you told me that, you know, the other day when you were watching them, I was like, okay. The only stuff that I have seen is like the insidious VR stuff and the conjuring, but I didn't really know what what they were uh, talking about. Just the the actual environment and the the way that they did the VR sequence was really neat. So now it has inspired me a little bit more to go. Plus, you saying that they're good. Definitely yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna check those out. I, I think I
1: those. kinda we talked a little bit about this in our slasher summer episode, but you know, sometimes you watch these movies like the Rob Zombie movies for me are tough to watch because you you're just watching like this dysfunction and and this these psychopaths and you kind of feel dirty watching watching these things. Like, why am I enjoying this? I felt kind of that way with the new it, you know, like yeah. if, if the ground. Yeah, if they were grounded in in like good families or something, then the evil would be something else. But even the families were so dysfunctional; like, you just felt like something was wrong. Wrong like, with why you? Why
2: am I enjoying why, this? Yeah. yeah,
1: this these movies were definitely not that. They were they were ghost stories, and and I love the parts in both movies, Insidious and The Conjuring. They have like these ghost hunters that come in, and that idea of again this kind of goes back to why we're attracted to ghost stories. You kind of feel like a bonding between the family and the ghost hunters as they're in the house waiting for these spirits to make contact. And there's something really cool about that to me. I don't, you know, I think it is the bonding, you know, maybe that's the purpose of life or something to to bond with people, with your fellow man or something. I don't know, but there, it definitely, there's definitely something really cool about that idea um, and then there's just the, 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 where these movies go it, it just really great, especially insidious when you see the idea that they're exploring, um, at toward the end, really, really cool. And I haven't seen the sequels yet, but I am going to, but, uh, I got to tell you, yeah, this James Wan, um, his, he's the guy who also did saw, um, but yeah, really, really great stuff. Uh, well, moving on to, uh. TV, though, I wanted to bring up because I think we have to bring up, we're talking about telling scary stories, ghost stories, um, the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror annual Halloween specials, which began in October 1990. Um, and they do every year where they're just, they tell these three tales of, of horror. Um, and they've become a real Halloween tradition. So I just wanted to bring that up. I'm not going to give you any tidbits or anything, but yeah, that's definitely. One that has become a huge tradition, um, you know, and it's telling ghost stories. Yep. So, uh, oh, go ahead. Did you have something? I was
2: going to say the, the one more thing because uh, we are running out of time a little bit, but I do want people to actually look into another kind of folklore uh, tale um, about the Flying Dutchman. Uh, it's a legendary ghost ship that can never make port and is basically doomed to, to sail the seas forever. Um, it's based off, I think it was originated in like the 17th century. Um, and it was told, uh, basically to, to people in those in that time that there this ship is, is sailing out in the ocean and, uh, and, and people who are out there will see it. Um, I'm not going to go into total detail. I just wanted to bring it up just because it's kind of like one of those other little ghost stories. Like maybe if people are out on a boat at night and they want to talk about a story, there's been like several sightings by, by, you know, famous people that claim, you know, uh, that they saw um, like glare off of the, off of the ocean where they, they've seen the ship sailing. So yeah, if you're ever out, out on the, on the sea or in maybe even, Um, Well, I guess it has to be out on the sea. But if you're ever out there and you want to tell some ghost stories, look up the Flying Dutchman and check that out. Uh, Yeah,
1: that was going to lead me to the next way of telling stories, and that's obviously stories in books. And you could get, you know, all sorts of collections, um, and a lot of them will have the same classic tales. You know, one of my favorite is um, The Red Room um, by H. G. Wells. Um, But one of the books I have is Ghosts: A Treasury of Chilling. Tales, Old and New, selected by Marvin Kaye, and uh, it has the Flying Dutchman in there. Um, it's got the Red Room. It's got a ton of stories. Like I said, you could probably get any number of ghost story collections and, and find um, these same stories, but there's also a lot of cool books of, of ghost stories that are for younger readers. Uh, we list a bunch of them in our book in the, in the Black Lagoon section. Um, I'm going to list a couple of these books. One of them is Michael Dahl's Frightmares, a creepy collection of scary stories. That's from uh, 2016. Then R.L. Stein did a couple of scary stories, one called The Haunting Hour from 2001, which also has a great seri- TV series called The Haunting Hour that uh, came out a few years ago. Some really good, good um, stories, much better than the Goosebumps TV series that, that came out before that. And then The Nightmare Hour from 1999. And then, of course, there's Alfred Hitchcock's Ghostly Gallery from 1962, which was a fun oh, book yeah. I got as a that kid. Was
2: neat. Yep.
1: And then, obviously, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. There's three books um, with stories collected by Alvin Schwartz, and that was in 1981, 84, and 91. And, and next month, we're really excited that there's a movie called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark that will be coming out in the – yeah, I can't wait. Um, yeah, that we,
2: one looks really good. I'm, I'm actually, I can't wait for that thing to come out.
1: Yep. And then so a lot of these stories, the classic stories from uh, those ghost stories I was telling you about, and even the Alvin Schwartz ones, they, they did some, um, some of these stories performed live. You well, know, not live, but performed on record albums. Uh, we list these as well in in our in our book in the the Black Lagoon section. Um, so in the in the '70s, around '73, '74. Um, They made uh, scary, spooky stories from Troll Records, Um, great ghost stories also from Troll Records. There was something called Thrillers and Chillers from Troll Records. And then the one that I know you'll remember, Tom, Wade Denning's famous Ghost Stories with Scary Sounds, which came out in 1975. I just listened to
2: that. I listened to that every year I put that record on and listen to those ghost stories. I make everybody in my house re- listen to them. We turn the lights out. We have a candle lit and we we make some like apple cider or something, you know, hot apple cider and we sit there and listen to that record. It's 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 one of the best.
1: What well, do you one of the best? Do you listen to the story of Halloween from the 1977 record Halloween Horrors? I don't know, do you remember that one? That was the record I don't even remember had. that. Yeah, no. Yeah, I so do not remember that? that one's fun i wanted to just play a quick little clip um for that one it's called uh the story of halloween um from the halloween horrors record that came out in
2: 1977
5: oh boy what a night to be driving and it's halloween too oh it's creepy oh man what i'd get to be back at home snug and warm wait a minute what's that up ahead ah gas station Pardon me, is this the way to Elm Hall Plantation? Yeah, yes,
7: uh, yes it is, but no one's there. I'd advise you to turn back. It's not safe in this weather.
5: Thanks. like this anyway. Who would have thought a week ago I'd be here, driving on a lonely, dark road, looking for an old mansion? Ah, what can you do? Last week I received that letter informing me that I had inherited an antebellum mansion just 20 miles outside of Natchez, Mississippi. It was left to me by my great-grandmother who lived there all of her 90 years. Boy, that's a long time. And see, the mansion was built, I think, in 1820... And according to the stories I've heard, it has a very mysterious and tragic history. And the mystery
1: ensues from there. Um, One last thing, I know we got to start wrapping this up here pretty quick, but uh, I wanted to bring up a ghost story in music. So the Dukes of Dixieland, which they play Dixieland jazz, they actually used to perform in funerals. And in New Orleans they do funerals a lot different. Um, it's almost like a, a joyous occasion. Not a joyous occasion, but you're celebrating the life of someone who's passed on. Um, so from 1958, uh, the Dukes of Dixieland did an album called On Bourbon Street with the Dukes of Dixieland, Volume 4. And there's a, a song on there called New Orleans Funeral. And they tell a story of the dead in the song, which we parodied in our book. But um, here's an excerpt from from that song.
6: We'd like to tell you a very true and serious story of a certain thing that happens down in our hometown every now and then. And to tell you the story right, we'd like to make the scene a back-of-town cemetery where it seems as though one of the beloved brothers of the congregation has just passed away and is about to be put to rest well on hand for this very sad occasion along with all the friends and family of the deceased there's a small jazz band that for such an occasion sounds something like this As the reference says, ashes to ashes and dust to dust, it's too bad old Gate couldn't have stayed on earth with us. The snare drum player takes the handkerchief out of his snare, which serves as a cue for all the congregation and the band to form into one line and march back to the hall playing, Oh, Didn't He Ramble? The hall, the folks figured that since old Gate was dead and gone, there just wasn't any sense in mourning about this poor old cat. So, here's what happened.
1: So yeah, anyway, there's probably a million other ghost um, stories we could out go there. Into-
2: we could definitely go in, you know, even if you check out some of the Sherlock Holmes stories and whatnot, there's tons of, of little neat ghost stories in there that, you know, he solves the the murders and, and or these murders that are going on, like, um, you know, some of the episodes there. But I, I don't even want to go into details with those because, even like being for days.
1: Yeah, we could yeah. talk about walkthroughs and uh, actual places that are haunted that you can go in and other great stories. Maybe if you want to share some of your favorites, you can email us at jackolanternpress at gmail.com. Again, that's jackolanternpress at gmail.com. Email us some of your favorites. We would definitely love to, uh, to hear from you, hear what, which ones are, are most exciting to you. And, uh, yeah, so don't forget to go to jackolanternpress.com to get our book. Um, for the upcoming Season of Stories, which will begin August 1st, and and other Monster and Halloween fun we'll be posting there. Right now our website is kind of a blog site, but uh, we're hoping to have an actual website up pretty soon so you can navigate and find things much easier. But uh, anything else that you just, wanted to bring up?
2: Yeah, um, just just remember, too, you know, the the one thing that we we love about with this podcast is we're able to kind of expand a little bit on on Transylvania, which is what the Transylvania Traveler is about. We go into as much detail as we can in the book, but this podcast is kind of like another reference off of things that we've enjoyed uh, throughout the last, well, 41 years for me um, of, of basically taking all of the things we talk about now in this podcast, and we've shoved a lot of it in the book. And then obviously, you know, we try to, we try to make those references uh, in the book, like you'll see, uh, all this information that we're giving out, a lot of it is referenced in the in the book. But then we're also adding more to it, so it's kind of complements each other.
1: Um, yeah, hopefully I, I we want... can
2: talk, you know, a lot about uh, a lot more. You'll know, bring up a lot
1: more stuff that inspired the book, and just it's monster and Halloween stuff that we love that you and I always talk about just on the phone um you know when we're talking about halloween and things we get excited about um you know so hopefully others are listening and and want to check out the things we're talking about or if you have some exciting stuff you know monster and halloween stuff you know definitely let us know because we're always you know excited about learning new stuff finding new stuff checking it out yep so So
2: with that let's uh Let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. Um,
1: yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, as, as we try to do in every episode, we, uh, we, we uh, end with a little clip from a Halloween record of our past. And so to take us out of this episode, I dug up from the pumpkin patch, Wade Denning's famous Ghost Stories record, which we were just talking about. And uh, this story that I want to play is, is one of, of our favorites, um, and it's called The Ghost Ship. So have a good night.
7: Back in the days of sailing ships, people from all over the world were coming to America looking for a new start in life. There was this one ship named the White Cloud, and it's her last voyage that this tale is about. She set sail for the new world with a full passenger list. Now, these folks weren't poor, a lot of the early settlers, they brought things of great value, like jewels and gold heirlooms. And while they tried to keep these things hidden, on a small ship, the word gets around among the crew. Now the captain of the White Cloud had been a pirate when he was younger, but was given a pardon by the king because of the shortage of experienced sea captains. When he heard about the treasures on board, his thoughts turned back to the old pirate way. He plotted with the crew to murder the passengers, take their belongings, set fire to the ship, and escape in the longboat. On the last night out of port, the murderous crew crept below with knives drawn. They spared, no. Every single passenger was brutally killed. Then, the plunder began. Sea bags were slashed open, trunks were bashed apart. Everything of value was piled on deck and divided among the thieves. After they had loaded the long boat, the captain set fire to the white cloud, and the smaller boat pulled away from the flaming hull. Suddenly the wind shifted. The ship, now a mass of flames, wore down directly on the log. The villains laid to the oars, but it was no use. With a thunderous, fiery crash, the blazing ship split the small boat in half, and the evil crew was dumped, screaming into the fiery sea were lost since that infernal night every year on the first new moon of the fall a flaming ship reappears you can hear the eerie screams of terror from the tormented men as the blazing ghost ship nears the shore she suddenly bursts into a great fireball then disappears Again, moments later. This happens three times. After the third explosion, no matter the direction of the wind, the blazing Seagorn Inferno disappears over the horizon, always to the northeast, not to be seen again for a full year. Folks who have seen this ghost ship swear that they could smell burning canvas, rope, and human flesh.
0: It's a good thing to know if ever you are staring into the darkness and you see something staring back, simply say, boo, and it will go away. In the time we have left, I might mention several other interesting things. Don't ever brag about what you do if you saw a ghost. It's a sure way to get them angry at you. Don't slam doors as you might pinch a ghost. Don't leave sharp objects like knives lying around a ghost might sit on them just keep convincing yourself you aren't frightened that you are brave that there is nothing that can scare you i really can't go on much longer there's only about three inches of air space between the water and the ceiling if you will be good enough to stop this record now before the water can rise i should be more than grateful hurry please hurry